You're listening to a sermon from Bent Tree Church in Loveland, Colorado. For more information about Bent Tree, visit BentTreeChurch.com. Amen, amen. You may be seated. Ho, ho, ho. Not every church gets a pastor that looks like Santa on Christmas Eve, so hey, blessed are you. Well, I'm ready to preach. Are you guys ready to take some notes? Let's do this thing. This is Christmas Eve, and so we're going to dig into our Bible tonight. Let's go ahead and get those things out. If you're new here, a very special Christmas welcome to you. Merry Christmas. What a holy night. Amen? I mean, just hearing you guys, your voices, man, it's good to see you guys all here. What a holy night as we remember and celebrate, celebrate the biggest event, well, of anything. I mean... The incarnation of Jesus Christ, the long-promised Messiah to his people. That's what Christmas means. I mean, in the 11th century, the term Christmas was coined to remind us of what Christ coming to earth. We call it the incarnation, God becoming man, the immaterial becoming material, the, the Christ mass. I know it sounds funny, but you know what Christ is, the Messiah, Mass, meaning a a body, a a physical body, evidence, coming. A God who is spirit, coming in the flesh of a man. That's what literally the word Christmas means. I mean, the Gospels of Matthew and Luke both tell from their unique perspectives this very specific story of Jesus being born in the flesh. But for tonight, let's begin with reading Something we've already read, a passage in Luke that I want you to hear again. Would you stand with me and just reverence for the Word of God being read aloud and, and listen carefully. This is Luke chapter one, verse, chapter 2, verse 1. In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that the whole empire should be registered. The first registration took place while Quirinius was governing Syria, so everyone went to, the, to be registered, each to his own town. Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family line of David, to be registered along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was pregnant. While they were there, the time came for her to give birth. Then she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him tightly in cloth and laid him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. Praise God for His Word. Amen? You may be seated. Take your Bibles out. Take something to write with. Take some notes on your phone. You may not realize it, but the Christmas story begins way before Luke way before Matthew, much, much earlier. It begins all the way back. If you want to look, flip back to chapter 1 of Genesis, verse 1, and the narrative of the creation of the world. You go, Paul, what? I promise. The Bible opens with these words. Listen closely to the foreshadowing here. In the beginning, God. By the way, the most important words in all of Scripture. In the beginning, God. He's the first. He created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness covered the surface of the watery depths. That's important. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. You get the picture? 
Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. God the Father gives the command to create the earth. The Holy Spirit hovers above the watery formlessness of the dark, deep water. Light comes out of that darkness. Creation comes out of nothing. The Latin term is creatio ex nihilo. Creation out of nothing. Now listen to the Apostle John as he describes creation specifically. Listen, Jesus' role in creation. Now this is going to sound familiar. This is John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, sound familiar? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were created through Him. And apart from Him, not one thing was created that has been created. In Him was life, and look, and that life was the light of men. That light shines in the darkness, and yet the darkness did not overcome it. Jesus here is referred to by His name, the Word of God. And right off the bat, you see the parallels too, right? From this passage and the opening uh, few verses of Genesis chapter 1. I said, I said that you see the Trinity at work in Genesis 1. God the Father wills the creation. The Holy Spirit hovering over the waters and the Word of God goes out. Who is the Son of God? God Himself. The Trinity, three in one God, brings Life and light. Now, as we talk about the Christmas story and Christ coming into the world, life came into creation. I'm talking about Jesus' birth. Light was born. Jesus was born. One of the reasons we celebrate with candles later in the darkness is this picture of light coming into the world. Jesus brings light and life. The Christ Mass celebration tonight celebrates the new creation, life and light coming into the world. Now I know those are words and you can just kind of let them slip by, but don't. Like the first creation, but something much more special to God comes tonight. The bringing of light into the darkness, not of an earth, but now darkness of men's hearts. Why did we need saving, though? Why does Jesus come for us? Well, Jesus describes this with this reason, he, why he comes to earth. In Luke 19.10, for the Son of Man, Jesus says, has come to seek and save, say it with me, the lost. But what does Jesus mean, the lost? Well, let's remember. Genesis chapter 1 describes our beginning, the creation of the physical world, our origin as a race of mankind. The Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 1 that on the sixth day, the triune God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, one God yet existing in three persons, says to himself in chapter 1, of verse 26 of Genesis, let us make man in our image 
according to our likeness. God says, they will rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, the whole earth, and creation, and the creatures that crawl on the earth. So God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created them male and female. In verse 31, God would observe all his creation, including his special creation, mankind, and he would declare mankind very good. And and yet we know then from Genesis chapter 3 that sin came into this good creation and messed it up. The first man and woman who were made good and sinless chose sin over God. They fell and the world fell with them. All creation was scarred. It becomes sinful. We call that the doctrine of original sin. That all mankind would then be born into this fallen world, unable to keep from sinning. You know that already. In other words, it was not possible for mankind not to sin from that point on. The first man and woman, because of their sin, had been cut off from God. They had died. The word dead literally means separation. Not physically at first, but then physically eventually. But they died spiritually, boom, right away, cut off from God. They had been separated. They died from God. They were cut off from God spiritually. Is that connecting with you? Meaning that they could not have a relationship with God anymore that they had been created for. And and this physical world that had been created for them was also cursed, and it felt the deep effects of sin. Death had entered creation. I mean, all of it fell as a result of sin. The man, the woman were unable now to live as intended. They were to rule the earth. That's how God had designed them, but they're unable. All of man now, all of mankind now could not live out their purpose they were created for. It's one of the reasons that you spend so much time going, why am I here? What was I created for? It's a result of the fall. All of mankind now could no longer have this deep personal relationship with God because sin and death now had resulted from their sin. Don't miss the bad news here. You go, Paul, I thought that was bad news. No, it gets worse. Not only was the first man and woman cut off from God spiritually, all their descendants now were separated from God as well. All mankind's descendants, everyone ever born from that point on, the first man and first woman, his wife Eve, from then sinned. Everyone was born into this fallen world. We call that the original sin. Now, I'm sorry, Romans chapter 3, verse 23 says this, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So we're born into a world of sin, cut off from God, no relationship with God, but that each person is also, listen, guilty of their own sin and worthy of death and hell. Guilty. I mean, you can't even argue for innocence. And the verse we studied the last two weeks, the result of that sin, what is it? Romans 6, 23, for the wages or the payment of sin is death. Our spiritual death. 
and our physical death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. If you don't see the problem, here it is, baby. Before Jesus comes, that very first Christmas, we see over and over and over in the Bible that God is spirit. He is not a man. He's not physical. Are you, are you with me? Before Jesus comes that first Christmas, we don't have any way to even comprehend or get to God. And although that's, that's really not entirely true, we can comprehend. Romans 1 tells us that we can know that there is a God. We just simply look at the mountains. Look at creation. We know something created this. I mean, we're without excuse, Romans 1 says. But what I'm talking about is that before Jesus comes in the physical flesh, we have no way of getting back that connection, that relationship with God. There's simply no avenue. And, and although it blows our little minds, we need to comprehend as best we can the, ah, how do you even say it, the giantness of God. The incredible uniqueness of God, the oneness of God. For instance, God is not confined to one location. Even that makes smoke come out my ears. He's not bound to a single point in time either. And yet we are. We're tied to time. We're tied to matter. I mean, it's our body is made out of matter. We're tied to space, three dimensions. Those three things together, we're stuck to them. Time, space, matter. And not only are we tied to those things, we're also sinful, guilty. And listen, the clock is ticking. Every one of us will die. Maybe you're not supposed to say it on a Christmas Eve. But it's like we're all on a conveyor belt waiting to die. You go, Paul, that's Merry Christmas to you too. (laughs) But if God does not act, we die in our sins. We're separated from God because of our sin. No way to get to it. Because think about it, what we know about God from Scripture. What does the Bible say? It blows our little minds. I know the giantness of God, besides being one God existing, listen, in three persons, God is also eternal. There's no beginning, no end. Even God's name, when Moses asks his name, God says, well, I am. That's my name. He's self-existent. He lives outside of time and space. God is not the result of any cause. I mean, people go, oh, Paul, what about the Big Bang? Even the Big Bang needs a big banger. Right? He's the uncaused cause. God is not the result of anything else. God who creates physical mankind to live and then man sins breaks the ability of that spiritual relationship with God the Father. We have no way to get back to God. We're trapped in this fallen fallen world on this conveyor belt of death. Time's ticking. Now we need to be reconciled back to God. But how can we be reconciled back to God? We have no way to get there. There's no road. There's no radio device. There's no computer program we can talk to God. Because aren't we all sinful? That's what we saw. Before Jesus comes, isn't God still spirit and holy? And us, aren't we still physical, sinful? Aren't we cut off from God? The answer is yes. This is why Christmas to us is so big. 
and why the doctrine of the virgin birth of Christ is so critically important to understand. Because it says to us that Jesus was conceived in the womb of the Virgin Mary by the power of the Holy Spirit of God. Listen, not by some kind of physical act. Not only that, it was prophesied that Jesus coming, born of a virgin, 750 years before it happened. Listen to this from the prophet Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. He says, you want a sign? Here's a sign. See, the virgin will conceive and have a son and name him Emmanuel. The word virgin here is Alma in Hebrew. Alma. Here it is. Write this down. Virgin Alma means a woman who is pure and righteous, who has not been intimate with a man. The word Alma appears only seven times in all of the Old Testament. And in every single appearance, it is talking about a chaste, unmarried woman. Not just a young girl. As some poor theologians have tried to explain, they just don't understand the Hebrew language. In the Greek, it's the same. The word Parthians uh, means the exact same thing. A woman who has not known a man, a virgin. You know what that is, and so did they. So in our opening text from Luke 2, this passage is setting up this doctrine for us, setting it out very clearly. Watch how this doctrine gets, gets tied in to all of this together with our separation from God. The Son of God, Jesus... The Christ, the promised one from heaven, this eternal God who has no beginning and no end, who has no form, takes on the flesh of, listen, a few cells in the tummy of a teenage virgin, Mary. No physical man, no earthly father is there to fertilize the human egg in Mary's womb. Why? Oh, when the angel Gabriel had told Mary that she would be pregnant with the Christ, Mary said, she knew how babies came. She asked the question, and Gabriel said this. He says, the angel, Luke 1, verse 35, the angel replied to her, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Now look at that. Compare it back to chapter 1 of Genesis. Therefore, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Now watch closely. Do you see the direct correlation between Genesis 1, John 1, and now this passage? When the Holy Spirit moved across the face of the waters at original creation, life was brought forth from darkness and water. In the same way, the Holy Spirit of God creates life in the Virgin Mary. No physical act. Now why is this so critically important for us to understand this Christmas? Because right here is where we see Christmas celebrates the bringing together of two natures of deity and humanity in Christ Jesus. Or Jesus Christ. Now I want you to get this. This is some of the deepest words you will ever hear. Ever. Christmas celebrates the bringing together of the two natures of deity and humanity in Jesus Christ. Listen, there's never been a time when Jesus was not God. And there will never be a time when he stops being God. Jesus is eternal. 
He is pre-existent. He is the Son of God and is God. But it is right here that this supernatural event occurs. And I don't want you to miss it. This is Christmas right here. God becomes human. Truly God and yet truly man. The virgin birth of Jesus Christ, he is born human because he is the son of the Virgin Mary, right? But he has no human father. Although he is born physically into this fallen world you and I are born into, he is not born with the sin nature like we are. He is holy. He is separated. He is not separated from God like we are because he is the Son of God. He's holy. Now watch. Think about this. God the Father allowed the eternal Son of God to be implanted in the temporal womb of Mary. She carries the seed of the eternal Son of God for nine long months until He is born into human flesh in a stable. But why is this so important that Jesus was born of a virgin? This is cosmic. This is, this is weighty. So, so that Jesus could not inherit the curse from a physical human. And so that he would really and truly be full, fully human, fully God. The two natures, one man, son of God. In the God nature of Jesus, he can fully reflect who God is. Because he's God. A God of justice, a judge, and yet a God of mercy and love. Who longs to bring those who have been cut off from God because of their sin back into relationship with God. You with me? Because of Jesus' holy and sinless nature, Jesus lives this perfect, holy life on earth, the one we could not live. As God, Jesus can reconcile people back to himself. Do you hear me? As God, he can reconcile people back to himself. So that there can be relationship once again. But don't miss this. This is just as important. Jesus also tr is truly human. He also can represent humans as well. Because he is truly human. He faced all the same temptations we face. But without sinning. The Apostle Paul says this in Galatians 4 verse 3. In the same way we also when we were children... We're in slavery under the elements of the world. When the time came to completion, God sent His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. Look at that last line. To redeem those under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. The Son of God the one in whom created all things and holds all things together right now, he came, born of a virgin, so that he would become the one, the one and only one throughout all of history, the unique one that could represent both God and mankind on the cross. The Apostle Paul says it this way, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5, for there is one God and one mediator 
between God and mankind, the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, a testimony at the proper time. Now you see, a sacrifice had to be made, didn't it? For justice to be paid for our sin. Blood had to be spilt. Death is the sentence. From the time of Moses to the time of Jesus, God had instituted a sacrificial system of animals that were without defect to be sacrificed. Their blood poured out for the sins of his people. The blood of those animals sacrificed pointed forward in time to the moment Christ Jesus would come into this world to be the perfect sacrifice for the sins of his people. It was like the blood of the sacrificed animals back in the Old Testament bought time. The blood didn't pay for the sins of the guilty at that time. It's almost like the blood of those animals was like some kind of credit card we put the debt on, but the bill was coming due. Jesus' blood, as the perfect sacrifice at the cross, then comes to pay the debt for all those who would believe in the promise of the coming Messiah. God's people back in the Old Testament days were saved by believing forward in time to the day when Jesus would come as the Messiah. They believed the Christ child, and then he would live this perfect life, die on the cross as a payment for the sins of those who believed. Now, they didn't know all the details, but they believed in the promise. They said, something's coming, a perfect sacrifice. Listen to me. We're saved the same way. It's the Old Testament. We believe back in time to what Jesus did. He did come born of a virgin, living the perfect life, dying on the cross, and then being raised back to life on the morning of the third day. Have you ever thought of this? What was Jesus thinking, this all-powerful God, just before he comes to save us, to be born in the Virgin Mary? What was he thinking? What was going through his mind before he's implanted into Mary's womb? He knew what he had to do. This all-powerful Son of God enters this very tiny, limited space, the confines of space and time in these few cells in Mary's womb. He had, had never been limited before by time or space or anything, but now he was putting himself into the most limited creation, the body of a baby. Jesus had created the very cells that he would clothe himself with. Have you ever thought of that? Jesus created the very cells he was going to take on. Well, the book of Hebrews quotes Psalm 40. It tells us exactly what Jesus was thinking. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 4 says, For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Therefore, as he was coming into the world, he said, You did not desire a sacrifice or an offering, but you prepared a body for me. You did not delight in whom in whole burnt offerings and sin offerings. Then I said, see, it is written about me in the scroll that I have come to do your will, God. After he, said, after he says above, you did not desire or delight in sacrifices and offerings, whole burnt offerings and the sin offerings, which are offered according to the law. He then says, see, I have come to do your will. He takes away the first 
to establish the second. By this, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all time. Do you say he takes away the first to the second? He becomes the second, takes away the first Adam. If we're in Christ, we're no longer descendants of Adam. At Bentry, we love to say it's all about Jesus. Every bit of it. Jesus always does the will of his Father. This book is completely about him. He always does the will of his Father. He creates the world. He comes to save us. So what should our response be if this is true? Because that's the deal. If this is true, what should our response be? The Apostle Paul puts it like this. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. Adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus, who, existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to death on a cross. For this reason, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my dear friends, just as you have always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but even more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is working in you both to will and to work according to his good purpose. Just like that first light that came into the world on the first day of creation. Jesus is the light that comes into a dark world. That first night of Christmas. Bentry Church, my friends, my family, if you... If you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, this is your time to be a light to those around you. This is the time to be like Jesus, to empty, of ourself, empty ourselves of our own purpose and to do the will of God instead of what our wants are. To be a light. To bring the message of salvation to a dark world. Let me close our time with, of preaching and we'll sing light our candles together. As Jesus was being crucified and hung there, suffering, there was a young disciple. You forget how young those disciples were. At this point, the young John was probably about 17. He stood next to Jesus' mother. Have you ever thought of this? Just hypothetically. Mary had to have some temptation there. The Bible doesn't say this, but I'm just. Could she have stopped it? Could she stop him being nailed to the cross and yell out something like, Joseph is it the real father? Joseph is the real father. Jesus is not the Son of God. I made all of this up to cover up our sinful relationship. But Mary didn't do that, did she? She stood there, a mama. And watched her baby boy be nailed to a cross. Because Mary knew in her heart that the charge against Jesus was true. He was the Son of God. He was the King of the Jews. 
Mary must have played that memory over and over in her head. You know, when the angel had come to her and says, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. I mean, she had met the shepherds that night. The the wise men had come. She had walked with Jesus all through his life. She had seen the miracles. She knew that it was all true. The Son of God had come to save his people. Had come to save her. What happened that night of Jesus being born in Bethlehem needs to happen in our hearts as well. There must be a nativity in every human heart. The perfect Jesus coming to live in the messed up, imperfect life of Christians. We cannot give birth to Jesus or to his righteousness on our own effort. We can't just gut it out and try to be good enough. Because listen, we're all sinful, worthy of hell, wicked to the core. We need Jesus to enter our heart still and quiet as he did on that early morning in Bethlehem so long ago. Believe me, let Jesus be born in you so that you can be born again and made alive in him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, We're humbled to think that the God of the universe would see us in our messed up condition and come and to pay our sins by sending your own son Jesus to take our place, to be that perfect sacrifice. God, we thank you for the baby Jesus born that night. But we can't just think of that birth can we God we must think of his life and death and his resurrection for those of you that are not believers this thing that we do here is real as real as we could possibly imagine and even more so the God of the universe came put on flesh and took our place paying for our sin if you're not a Christian the way to become a Christian is not to be good enough because listen you're too far gone me too the only way to become a Christian is simply believe Jesus is who he claims to be the son of God so if you believe that even right now there's something stirring in you just Just whisper, I believe. I believe. Because if this is true, it changes everything. This life is not the purpose. Eternity is the purpose. And yet it changes this life in such a way of how we live it. We give him everything. If we believe, if we're saved, if our sins are forgiven, he's given us his righteousness. So we've start to follow him we start to try to live like jesus it's not in the trying that saves us it is in the believing that saves us that he has saved us so just whisper a prayer to god i believe i believe jesus save me you've been born again a light has come into your heart If you would take your candles and if you would go ahead and stand with me this is a beautiful picture of Christmas isn't it 
a single light. If you don't mind, turn those lights down just for a moment. A single light. It's not very bright, but everyone in the room can see it, can't they? When a believer shares the gospel, it is like a little bit of creation spreads. As these folks pass the flame on, watch it spread. As we sing together, be real careful, especially if you have a long beard. We're going to sing together. We're going to sing two songs. Kind of a tradition at Bent Tree we've done every year. Thanks for listening to this sermon from Bent Tree Church. To get connected at Bent Tree and for more information, please visit BentTreeChurch.com.